You're listening to the KB Podcast Network. What's up, Kingdom Bringers? How you doing? This is Darren Eubanks, and this is the Kingdom Bringer Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. It's good to have you back. It's been a minute. It has been a minute. I have not recorded an episode for a while, and this one, I was going through some old sermons that I had given and was particularly moved by one that uh, brought me back to a good place. It brought me back to a really, really good place. I am excited and passionate and just filled up myself with the love of Jesus. I am filled to the brim because I know the love of Jesus. Do you know that the Bible says to know the love of Christ is to have the fullness of God? I feel very, very full because I know the love of Christ. It moves me. It fills me. It gives me air in my lungs and a purpose to walk every single day. I'm filled up. And I wanted to play this message. This is a message that I gave a couple years ago at Will Rhodes Gardens Christian Church in Dodge City, Kansas. And the whole point of this message at the time when I gave it was the simplicity of the gospel. Like the simplicity. Sometimes it's so easy to get on a microphone. It's so easy to record a podcast or write a blog or do a Facebook Live or do a Facebook post and just try really hard to say the right things, to move people and to encourage people. And you want to be the the wisest and the the most intelligent and you want to be like the most clever and have the best words play. But the bottom line is Christ's love is the most important thing. And understanding that love, to know that love, that word know biblically, when they say that word know, it actually means it's it's gnosko, which is a experiential word. It means to experience So when you know the love of Christ, when you've experienced the love of Christ, it's to have the fullness of God. There's a filling that takes place when you know, when you experience the love of Jesus. And so I just wanted to, I wanted to encourage you. I was actually encouraged. I'm not tooting my own horn, but I, I was listening to this message and it it moved me. I think that's a sign of a good message, uh, no matter who gives it. 
is, is if you're moved to something, and I was definitely moved to understand, again, the relationship that I have with the love of Christ. And it filled me up. It did what the Bible says happens. <laughs> I began to better know the love of Christ, and I was filled up, filled up with things of God. It was so good. Hope you guys are blessed. I hope you guys are encouraged by this message. We're going to jump right into it. There was some uh, actually really cool stuff that happened before this message was given, but I'm just going to give the message part of it. Um, shoot me an email. Let me know if you're, shoot me an email and let me know how you are, are being filled up because you're experiencing the love of Christ. I would love to hear from you and, and, and start some dialogue with that. Shoot me an email at Darren, D-A-R-I-N, at kingdombringer.com. I would love to hear from you. Don't forget to check us out on Facebook at the Kingdom Bringer Podcast. Do the, do the stuff. Subscribe, rate, review on Apple Podcasts, follow on Spotify, subscribe on YouTube, the Kingdom Bringer Podcast. Thank you guys so much. I do enjoy every chance that I get to get behind this microphone and just share some words of encouragement. I believe this message will encourage you. So thanks for checking it out. Share it with your friends. If you're encouraged, maybe somebody else will be too. Send it out. Thank you so much. Here it is. Here's the message. This is to know the love of Christ. Be blessed, y'all. The love of Jesus has been like on my heart so, so, so much. You guys know that the love of Jesus is like, there's so much freedom in the love of Jesus. I shared that verse a couple weeks ago. To know the love of Christ is to have the fullness of God. To know his love is to have the fullness of God. Like who wants to be like filled up, like to the full? The word says that when you begin to know the love of Christ, and that word in the Greek for know is actually, it's understanding and it's experienced. So it's not just like a head knowledge thing. It's actually experiencing the love of God. It's, it's understanding the love of God. Who wants to understand Christ's love? Understand Christ's love. There's some, uh, I think I need to repent this morning because I have done a good job of preaching things other than Christ's love. Like it's super, super simple. His love, I, I feel like his love, going to that deep word, I feel like his love hits you simple and then it takes you deep. Yeah. It hits you right where you're at. It hits you, it's actually simple. And that's why we have a hard time understanding it because a big supernatural God, it should be more difficult than this for us to have access to him. It should be like harder to obtain his presence. So it doesn't make sense to us that it's so simple. And so what we do is go looking for doctrine and we go looking for these things and we have a hard time with the grace word, right? We have a hard time with this hyper grace. It's not hyper, it's actually supernatural, which is bigger. 
it's a supernatural grace, which is much bigger than hyper grace. And if we can't deal with that simple aspect of Jesus' love, we're going to have a hard time entering into places that are just intimate with the Lord. Right? Man, he wants to take us there. He wants to take us there. In John 10.10, 10, I know this is Jason's verse. He didn't write it, but it's, he claimed it after somebody else wrote it. It says that the thief comes to steal, kill, and what? Destroy. Destroy. But I have come that you may have what? Life to the what? To the full. To the full. The fullness word again. So he's actually come that you may, may be filled up so that you're full. So I wonder if we need to know the love of Christ, which brings the fullness. So he's come to show you the love. Of Christ, he's, he's, he's come to show you a love that fills. Right? That's why He's come, so that you experience the fullness of God. To know the love of Christ is to have the fullness of God. And so I began to wonder, and I was having some conversations with a good, a good buddy of mine, and we were talking about the simplicity of the gospel. Who's heard the Scott says that a lot. The, the gospel is actually really simple, and it is. There's a simplicity factor that we, we just miss. And I think it's because we don't take it personal. I think if I would take it personal and believe that he actually did that for me, that he actually wants to have a relationship with me, it'd be more simple. Right? But the fact that I'm looking at everybody else and trying to preach a message and talk to the multitudes of people, instead of, it's about me and him, and him, and me, and like a simplicity factor. It just is about that. And we all have to start thinking that way. We've all got to start thinking about the simplicity of this thing, or we're going to miss out on the deeper, the deeper, the deeper. We're going to miss out on that. He hits you, he hits you simple, and he takes you deeper. I just, I believe that. And we were talking about this simplicity thing, and... So then if we want to understand the love of Christ, what is the love of Christ? Right? Let's, let's, let's go to school for a minute. Let's, what is the love of Christ? If I want to understand it and I want to know the love of Christ and be filled with the fullness of God, this book talks about what his love is. And for me, I went right to Romans. Everybody say Romans. Romans, Romans 5.8. It actually says that while you were yet a sinner, Christ came and died for you. While you were a sinner. Does that mean that you did a lot of work to become super righteous so that he would, get, he would see you and then he would start loving you? It said that while you were a sinner, Christ died for you. And I feel like that's the part right there that we don't understand the simplicity of it. And it's easy for us as ministers of the gospel to preach a different message than that. It's actually, I think it's a bait thing. I think the enemy puts out bait of righteousness and holiness, and we just whoo, go for that. This man-made thing, when it's actually, while you were still a sinner and messing up and looking really stupid, and not necessarily holy, and not necessarily looking righteous, Jesus died for you. That's his love. And when I begin to understand that, I'm filled with the fullness of God. To understand the love of Christ that died for you while you were still a sinner is to have the fullness of God. 
Are we okay with that? Like, are we okay with that? Because I've preached messages, I've preached messages about righteousness and doing and striving and becoming something and doing something and identity, identity, identity. Christ's love is simple. That while you were still sinning, while you still looked like the world, he came and he died for you because he believes that you're worth it. And he sees the gold inside of you and the purpose inside of you. And sometimes that's not good enough for us. Sometimes that's not good enough for the church. We want to create and help you guys become and look presentable to the world and showcase all of these things when you haven't understood the love of Christ. So I feel like there was a reset in my heart. Like there was a reset of like, man, let's, you think Jesus is against righteousness? No. Is he against holiness? No. But if we're not doing these things, if this, if we have said from the beginning of this identity stuff of like a good tree produces good fruit, right? But we, for some reason, that's the bait. We always go for the good fruit. Good fruit, good fruit, good fruit. And we're going for those things. I want the people to see the fruit in my life. Who in here has dealt with addictions? Yeah. It's so easy for us to, I want people to believe that I'm over this thing and I want to believe in myself that I'm over this thing. The love of Christ, come and he fills you up right where you're at. And he's a transformation guy. He really is. And he will transform your being. We've made this about, I'm saying we, I'm going to say I, because I'm taking this personal, like this conviction of my heart was personal. I've taken this and made it something different. I want you guys to live righteous lives. Lives. I want you guys to live holiness. But I want you to first understand the love of Christ. Because apart from love, does any of this mean anything? And I can go to church and I can serve and I can do all these things. But I don't understand the love of Christ. I don't understand that while I was a sinner, while I didn't know him, while I spit in his face, he came and he died for me. That's love. He actually said the greatest love is what? To lay down one's life for a friend. Right? To get yourself out of the way and to lay yourself. Jesus did that for you while you were still a sinner. Do you understand that? That while you were a sinner. Am I, is anybody hearing me say, let's go out and sin? No. <laughs> is anybody hearing... Forget righteousness and holiness and, and like being transformed inside. It's okay to be where you're at. No. But Jesus looks at you right where you're at and he says, that's my son and that's my daughter and I'm going to give my life so that they can have one. That's what it is. Simplicity. That's simple. That's simple. All this extra stuff that we put on it as the church is what complicates this thing. Right? It's got to be simple because it's a narrow gate, right? It's a narrow path. It's got to be simple. We can't walk in there with all this baggage, all this puffed up knowledge stuff. Simple. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Jesus. That's it. I'm okay with that now. I'm okay with you guys understanding the love of Christ and not having everything figured out. 
I heard it said one time that if you want people to transform their life, teach them grace. If you want people to change their life real quick, teach them the law. People can stop doing drugs. People can stop having promiscuous sex. People can stop living a certain way. But is that real transformation? If you want to teach them real transformation, which absolutely is a process, and absolutely is a journey with the Lord, teach them grace. Jesus loves you very much. And that's not always easy for us to teach. It's just not. I'm a a holiness guy. I want want people to rise up from the pew and be something big and powerful because God's called them to that. But there's a process there. And if we don't understand the love of Christ first, we're going to be walking in our own doings. It's going to be our own stuff that we're walking in. I quit this. I quit this. I stopped doing this. Do you know that Jesus was okay with you back then and he actually wants to do it with you? He actually wants to walk this journey out with you, not just send you on your way. I want to go back to the woman at the well. Jason got to talk about it a little bit yesterday, or last week. I say he talked about it. He kind of stole what I was going to talk about. Amen. Amen. So, who's familiar with the woman at the well? In John chapter 4. Turn there with me. I want to read some of this. Is that cool? The woman at the well. It is getting hot in here. So I want to read this, this account of Jesus. And we talked about to, to know the love of Christ, right? Is to have the fullness of God. And this is like the picture. This is the story that the Lord took me to, to, to really understand Christ's love. Who knows that this book is filled with stories about Christ's love. But this is the one that he chose to take me to, okay? So I'm, gonna, I'm just going to read it. Jesus knew the Pharisees had heard that he was baptizing and making more disciples than John. Though Jesus himself didn't baptize them, his disciples did. So he left Judea and returned to Galilee. He had to go through Samaria on the way. Eventually he came to the Samaritan village of Sakar, near the field that Jacob gave his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired from the long walk, sat warily beside the well about noontime. Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Please give me a drink. You guys, under, you guys understand what Jews and Samaritans and that whole thing? Anybody ever heard the parable about the Good Samaritan, how that was a big deal because Jews and Samaritans did not interact. It was like it was like 721 BC. They invaded Assyria, captured the northern region of Israel. Okay, some were taken and some were left behind. The ones that were left behind intermarried. Okay, intermarried. And started, kind of started their own worship, their own doctrine. They kind of took the Torah and kind of made it 
their own little thing. And so that basically they were half Jew and half Gentile. Okay? Samaritans were like half Jew, half Gentile, and Jews wanted nothing to do with them. So they did not interact at all. So it was a big deal that not only did Jesus talk to the woman at the well, it was probably a big deal that he walked through that town. It was a big deal that he even interacted with these people as a Jew. Okay? So this woman comes to the, comes to the well and Jesus says, please give me a drink. He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. Those disciples are always hungry, always complaining about food, aren't they? Five loaves, two fishes. God, what are we going to do? So they were getting some food. The woman was surprised for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? Jesus replied, if you only knew the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. But sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket, she said. And this well is very deep. Everybody say deep. Deep Deep wells. Where would you get this living water? And besides, do you think you're greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us this well? How can you offer better water than he and his sons and his animals enjoyed? Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. Everybody say, never be thirsty It becomes a fresh, bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. You know, he's not talking about just going to heaven someday. He's talking about living right now, knowing that you're like eternal right now. That your eternity starts when you drink from that water that Jesus has. And you're walking in eternal life right now. Who's walking in eternal life right now? I'm not waiting for an exit strategy. I'm not waiting for an ejector seat. Okay? I'm living that eternal life right now and he's teaching this Samaritan woman these things please sir the woman said give me give me this water she heard about this water and she wants some then I'll never be thirsty again and I won't have to come here and get water go and get your husband Jesus told her I don't have a husband the woman replied Jesus said you're right you don't have a husband for you have had five husbands And you aren't even married to the man you're living with right now. You certainly spoke the truth. A lot of times we hear that and we think this is some promiscuous woman. Jason hit on this last week. Our instinct is to think, well, she's had five husbands. She must be promiscuous and she must be whatever. Women could not divorce their husbands. Their husbands had to divorce them, for one. And what's another way that you could get out of a marriage? Death. So this is a woman that had five different husbands, probably because she was divorced and given up on, or the husband died. Five times. Five times. So she faced rejection and heartbreak five different times. Does that change the perspective of that story just a little bit? So Jesus sees the hurting. He knows the hurting. He goes to the hurting. And he helps them understand his love because that's what he does. He came so that she may have life to the full. Amen? Amen. 
You certainly spoke the truth, sir, the woman said. You must be a prophet. So tell me, why is it that Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place of worship while we Samaritans claim it is here at Mount whatever <laughs> where our ancestors worship? Jesus replied, I want you to hear this part. Believe me, dear woman, dear woman, the time is coming when it will no longer matter whether you worship the Father on this mountain or in Jerusalem. You Samaritans know very little about the one you worship, while we Jews know all about him, for salvation comes through the Jews. But the time is coming. Indeed, it's here now. Everybody say, it's here now. It's here now. It, did you know it was here 2,000 years ago? It's here right now. If it was here then, it's here now. When true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. In spirit and in truth. The Lord is looking for those who will worship Him that way. For God is spirit, so those who worship Him must worship in spirit and in truth. So it's not a matter of worshiping something that you just know, which is the truth. It's a matter of worshiping something in spirit which is through an experience, which is through a relationship. It's His Spirit connecting to our spirit. It's going deeper. It's deep calling to deep. Having a relationship with the Spirit. You guys with me? So it isn't just a matter of coming to church and singing some songs and hoping we have words that we can follow along. It's actually worshiping in spirit and in that (laughs) It's actually going outside of what we know about worship and what it looks like and allowing the Lord to take us deeper into spirit life. His spirit connecting with our spirit. And he says that's what true worship looks like. He says true worship is your spirit connecting with his spirit. That's true worship. And he's he's telling this to a half Jew, half Gentile rejected woman that he shouldn't even be talking to. Right? Because of like cultural constructs. You think Jesus cares about cultural constructs? Does he care about physical constructs? He'll bust right through all that stuff, won't he? I think of the, um, was it blind Bartimaeus? That uh, was yelling and the disciples told him to hush. This blind, Jesus is walking by. I love these stories when it says Jesus is walking by. I, I imagine like a, uh, parade every time. He's like, I'm going to the store. What the heck? <laughs> Kids are out there. They're like lined up just waiting. And he's like, you know, hey guys. But there's a moment when Jesus is walking and people have gathered. You know, people gather for something good. People gather for something that gives them life. I do believe that. And there's a blind guy, blind, blind Bartimaeus, do you know that Jesus didn't call him blind Bartimaeus? Jesus didn't call him that. The writer of this called him that. Jesus didn't give him that name. Jesus didn't see him as a blind guy. He doesn't call you addicted whatever. He doesn't call you hurt whatever. Right? Blind Bartimaeus sees Jesus and he yells for him. He's yelling for him. And his disciples being super holy and righteous said, dude, dude, no, 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 shh, quiet down. He's going to the store, take it easy, shh. And he yells even louder, it says. He was hungry, and he wanted something that Jesus carried. He actually had faith 
like Jesus, and he busted through some constructs there, right? The woman with the bleeding issue, right, crawls up there, and people are trying to keep her away because she was unclean, and she busts through these constructs to touch Jesus. That's, that's Christ's love. Christ does that with you. And so he sees this, this woman at the well who's been hurt, who's been rejected probably five times at least, and has started to show signs of believing that that's just the way it is, right? She's living with somebody else and just probably has settled in her life and settled in her relationship. And Jesus' love, Jesus' love is, is for you. Like his love is, it's that same love that talked to a woman that he shouldn't have talked to, that busted through constructs that we have put up, and that while you were still a sinner, he came and he shed his blood on the cross for you. And this is a simplicity, a simplicity that I really think we just need to get a hold of that Jesus did not wait for you to become super righteous and super Christian before he decided to have a relationship with you. He extended his love to you while you were still a sinner. So how does that make you feel inside? I want you to just think about, Jesus isn't all about feelings, but I feel like the Holy Spirit really desires to get a hold of your feelings a little bit. He's okay with that. He's not afraid of feelings. And I'm not afraid to like talk about feeling certain things, right? I feel sad sometimes and I feel angry sometimes and I feel joyful sometimes. The Holy Spirit wants to remind you of the love that Jesus has for you. That it's not something that you can go earn. And it's not something that you have to strive for. And that he doesn't save our lives so that we'll just start digging and digging and digging and working and prove ourselves. He saves your life because he wants to be in a relationship with you. Sometimes we, he does that physically so that we understand him fully, but some, it's usually a spirit thing. Like who in here has been saved? Like set free. Set free. Jesus had that on his mind before you got your act together. I promise. He did. And this is a message sometimes that I've been afraid to talk about because who knows that ministers are afraid that people are going to go out and sin if they say the wrong thing or have permission to go out and live lives like whatever. But it's a fact and it never changed that Jesus... And his love is for you and it's to fill you up. What the law has done, it brings it. Who knows that you can be filled up with the law also. You can be filled up with that. Does that bring life and freedom? It brings a weight and it brings an expectation and it brings a, I've got to, I've got to, I've got to, I got to keep my act. I got to do this because... My perspective of God is that he's going to change his mind about me. The fact is, his mind is made up about you. 
and his mind was made up about you before you got your act together. So who wants to grab hold of him and walk with him and allow him to actually transform your life? To actually transform the way that you look. The Bible says that we're going to grow closer and closer into his likeness. I believe it's going to be an actual like transfiguring. People are going to see Jesus inside of you. It's going to, what's inside is going to be shown on the outside and it has nothing to do with whether you sit here every Sunday morning. I promise. Do I want you here? Sure. But your relationship with Jesus is not dependent on whether or not you're sitting right here. It's not dependent on whether or not you put money in this plate. It's not dependent on whether or not you eat a cracker and drink some juice. It's not. But who wants to be on this journey with him? This is a journey that you have not gone too far past his love. You haven't stopped too short of his love. Christ's love is for you right now. It's for you right now. And he has come that you may have life and life to the full. And when you understand Christ's love, who wants to understand his love? That means to actually know his love, to experience his love, that it's here for you right now. His love is for you. Do you believe that? His love is for you. Will you stand up with me? Will you guys put your hands out like you're going to receive a gift? There's a gift for you, and his name is Jesus, and he's for you, and his love is for you. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands, but if you don't feel like you've ever experienced the love of Christ, spiritually raise your hand. (laughs) Spiritually raise your hand right now as an act of obedience. Jesus, I want to receive your love and I want to experience your love. But this Bible, this book says that I can actually experience your love. Not just talk about it. Not just think that I know about it. But to experience it. And I'll be filled with the fullness of God. Filled with the fullness of God. So Father God, we pray over your people right now. We pray over your people right now. We ask you for an infilling right now of your love, Father. Your love that we can be the person at the well who's going to the well, busting through constructs. That we can be the ones that look at people the way that you see people. Father, we ask you to change our hearts right now to have full compassion for your people. That we don't look at the outward appearance. We don't listen to what people have to say about people but we see them with love in our hearts for who they are. And we want to touch and meet people at the well. And we want this place to be a well full of living water, full of living water. That when we come, we take a drink and we go a little deeper and we go a little deeper and we're not satisfied with shallow Christianity. We actually want to go deeper with you, Lord. So we ask you to take us deeper. Take us deeper throughout the week. Take us deeper at work. Take us deeper in our marriage bed. Take us deeper in our relationships with our friends, Father. 
Take us deeper. We want to go deeper with you. And we thank you, Father, for the living water that you provide. That we never go thirsty and that we always want more. That we never go thirsty and that we always want more. Thank you, Father, that the kingdom is backwards. That the more we're filled, the more we want. I pray blessings over your people right now, Father, that they experience the fullness of your love and are filled to the full. In Jesus' name, amen.